we're back with another episode. Another one. We, we're, we're still doing it, guys. Yeah. Hey. And, and hey, for the half of you that are still listening, <laughs> we did actually. <laughs> we're getting more consistent. We live in the same area now, so that helps. So, <laughs> you know, peel back the curtain here. <laughs> there was definitely, there's been a drop from, <laughs> from our heyday of recording on time versus now. Look, um, we're going to try and build it up again because I'm going to be honest. I really want to talk about the Oscar season when it comes <laughs> up because we're living in a timeline where Barbie might get nominated. In fact, it's probably going to be nominated for Best Picture. The Barbie movie. I mean, you know, if honestly, wouldn't be the worst of the past five years. Black yeah. Panther got a Best Picture nom. <laughs> Why are you forgetting about fucking Green Book winning Best Picture? Okay, okay, okay. That one Green makes Book, more Green sense. Book winning, <laughs> Green Book winning is like the worst know, travesty. It's like the wor- it's like Green Book and and Crash. Why <laughs> why are all the you know, movies that want to take on racism in the simplest ways possible? Why do they you know, didn't the blind side get nominated for a fucking <laughs> yeah, Sandra Bullock won, dude. <laughs> yeah, she no, won I knew, the Oscar. Well, I knew she won, yeah. But like, but like, and then movie- there was the report, like, I think it was a couple weeks ago that apparently Michael Orr, like, no, yeah, he was in like a, a conservatorship, like the same thing that Britney Spears was in. <laughs> so, no, no. The point is, these movies that try to tackle racism in just the simplest ways possible, getting nominated for Oscars, why? It just keeps happening. It just, it just keeps happening. And that's okay. And then winning sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. But Black Panther got nominated. I don't even, I'm like, I can see why Green Book got nominated. You know, it plays to a certain demographic. Wasn't that the same year Bohemian Rhapsody got nominated too? It might be. Or was that the next year? I don't remember. No, that might. It might. No, it might. It was twenty eighteen, right? No, that that was definitely the year. Oh my god, that was a bad year. That was a bad year for the Oscars. Wow, that was a bad year for movies. <laughs> oh, god. oh god, I think Black Klansman came out. That was a good movie. I'm pretty sure. I don't no, remember Black Klansman was probably the best of that Oscar crop. It yeah. was. It should have won. Probably. Um. Yeah. Anyway, and then Spike Lee lost to Driving Miss Daisy Part Two. Really, really unfortunate. Really unfortunate. <laughs> it's also really unfortunate because it's like, I'm so glad to see, you know, it was such a great breath of fresh air to see Spike Lee trying. Yeah. And now he's, and now he's, he's just, just back. He's, he's like, just going to say, fuck it. These white people don't get it. <laughs> so, so that's tough. Oh my God. So unfortunate. Yeah. I'm sure it made his lectures at NYU much more entertaining though. True. His Oscar speech was pretty good, and seeing Samuel L. Jackson give Spike Lee his Oscar was pretty great. I mean, that's kind of the coolest. That show. was an iconic moment. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, yeah, but we we saw some new movies. We're kind of in the the shit era of movies right now. They weren't bad, we're, but, but nothing like we're past summer. Right? We're past. Yeah, we're past summer, and. We're about to go into like good prestige movie season, like Oscar like, bait season. Yeah, uh, Scorsese's movie comes out in, in a couple two weeks. weeks yeah. yeah, so we're definitely seeing that. I do want to put lo- that out there. We're really excited to see that movie. That yeah yeah. Our uh, going through all of Scorsese uh, did not go well. 
Unfortunate. Unfortunate. But hey, we have one great episode about Taxi Driver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With freaking Ant-Man 3, <laughs> which is still funny. <laughs> It's so funny. Oh, uh, geez. Remember when we watched Rosemary's Baby? <laughs> that was like our third episode. That was like our third episode. I still think from humble beginnings of our first episode, being Venom 2 and Dear Evan Hansen <laughs> is one of the funniest things. <laughs> it's, it is very funny. So uh, we did see, we're kind of in a, the, the, the September movie season kind of sucks. Let's be honest here. Yeah. I mean, it, it's only good when you get an early front runner for an Oscar. Yeah, you like know? like a Star Is Born. I'm pretty sure the the yeah. 2018 one. That one came out in September, and I, unpopular opinion, really like that movie. Yeah, I still don't get that. I'm sorry. It's a great I, movie. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you probably know why you I don't like Bradley a Star Cooper. Cooper. What did he do to you, <laughs> dude? He just he just comes off like such a prick, and then he's wearing a fucking prosthetic nose to play. Yeah, to play Leonard Bernstein. To play Bernstein. That's really unfortunate. So, you know, I love when my predictions of people are shits come to fruition. (laughs) Is that like you with Jimmy Fallon? Were you like really happy when things came out about (laughs) him? I didn't hate Jimmy Fallon when he like initially took over the Tonight Show. And then just the more you watched it, you were like, God, this guy's like, like the fake laugh is so real. And... And then when it came out that he was shit, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. It, um, our friend Joey has a friend that ha- was like PA'd for Fallon. Yeah. And he was like, he's terrible. <laughs> yep. He's actually terrible. So, really yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway. We did see two movies though. We did. We're supporting our local Marcus Theaters <laughs> by going. And we saw The Creator and Haunting in Venice. So we're going to talk about those two today. Yeah. Yeah, we're... Okay. Okay. Both of these movies I had a good time with. Yeah. But like A Haunting of Venice was a very kind of... It it stayed like a pretty consistent note the whole time. This movie, the creator I had... The creator... We have a lot to say about this movie. Yeah. Okay. This is honestly going... Like... I think we're going to use this as one of our episodes that's more of like an investigation into why didn't we like this? Why didn't we like this? And also like what it was so close yeah. in some aspects. This is going to be a really nerdy episode, I have a feeling. Stupidly nerdy. Uh, we're going to use a lot of, we're not going to like alienate anyone, but. we're. I mean, we're, I'm, I think we're both on the same page. Yeah. We did not talk about this beforehand. Uh, <laughs> we're both on the same page of, I just want to know like what was wrong with this whole movie because I, it was it was such a frustrating watch. Yeah. It yeah. I mean we both came out and and I just turned around like there are some things that it did so damn well and then others that just fell so flat. Yeah. I do want to put it out there that I am happy that original movies are coming out. Yes. We both agree with that, I think. Uh-huh. We uh, like original movies. Original movies are amazing. Yes. Um, and we don't... They are the most surprising and thrilling experiences to see something you've never seen before. Yeah. Right? 
And I'll give an example of a movie that I saw this year, and it's it's not like an underground movie, so don't be like, oh, I get an underground wreck. Because especially in the film world, there's a lot of people still talking about, or who talked about this movie. You haven't seen it, but you should see it. It's called Past Lives. Yeah. Um, and it's an original story, and it's it's really, really, really good. I had no expectations going into it. I went in, and I was like, wow, this was an amazing original story. Granted, it wasn't like, it wasn't like science fiction. It wasn't like a big budget movie. It was a very small budget. Yeah. But it was an original story that had a very small cast and wowed me. It didn't do anything crazy. It didn't like, you know, have like a one shot that was, you know, like 40 minutes long or something like that sure. or anything like that. It was just a really, really, really well shot, well directed, extremely well acted story that was very resonant. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I no, it's it's a wonderful feeling to sit, to see mm-hmm. a movie like that. I will say, like, you know, we give like, oh, this like there needs to be more original movies. Like, you don't say franchise dramas. <laughs> <laughs> like Um Um <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Avengers Endgame is a drama if I've ever seen one. <laughs> the Batman, that's a heavy drama. I would laugh if it were funny. <laughs> okay. You're telling me the Batman was a comedy? <laughs> God. I'm just I'm just saying it's for action, sci-fi, um uh fantasy. Holy sh oh my god, can you tell me an original franchise that is fantasy? I can't even think of one. If you count Dungeons and Dragons that came out earlier this year. I guess so. Yeah. That's like the closest that you can get. But to it's an still orig- even based on IP. It's based on that. Even the most famous fantasy movie of all time, Lord of the Rings. No, of course. Yeah, is it's based on a, on a book. book. No, like literally. <laughs> the most fa- popular fantasy TV show is Game of Thrones. I, yeah. It's based off a book. I cannot think of a fantasy that is original. Like. The bigger the budget and and really the more genre you get, Western doesn't count, I guess. There's a lot mm-hmm. of original Westerns. That's true. Yeah. From but, back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the more genre and the bigger budget you get, the harder it is to make an original movie and the less likely it's going to get greenlit. Exactly. For like fantasy, I think the last, like the last really, really famous big, not big, but like well-known fantasy film that's original is like The Princess Bride. Yeah, probably. Right? Probably. And that was in the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it's, Um, and and it makes sense too because like studios are putting, I mean, what was the budget for this movie? A hundred? It was $80 million. 80 million, right? And that's pretty small for big budget movies. Yeah, it's not crazy. It's not like, it's not crazy, but it's definitely not a medium budget film. It no. is still like, it is a big budget film. You're going to put $80 million into it. Like you need to have some kind of assurances that you're going to get back. So a wholly original film, you know, is just so hard to justify. Yeah. And I do want to give props to 20th Century Fox, which is owned by Disney, I guess, uh, now <laughs> they, for they agreeing are. to fund it. I mean... Yeah, at least a funding, like at least funding an original movie, right? They take a big risk on that. Yeah, and most of the time it doesn't pay off. Let's be completely honest here. True. Like we saw that last year when like the Northman made no money. 
Um, yeah, but God, the experience of that movie. That movie was, was like the most broy. Th- it was <laughs> so like I I have t- my okay again such a bro movie. If Nothing, you didn't like it, we we get it. We get it, but holy shit. That was a great time. so beautiful. <laughs> it's so, it is just like gorgeous the whole time. It's so, it, oh, it's immaculately like shot and acted. Oh, love so it. good. Yeah. So good. Uh, and it also has the tech billionaire from uh, Secession. <laughs> <laughs> the lead character. <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. my god! Good, but, great, great role. Great, 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 amazing role. Great role. He for did Alexander so good. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll stop talking about you know the business stuff, and we'll talk about the. Actual we'll talk about movie. the actual movie, but yeah. we do want to give props for even funding a movie. Uh, Facts. Because that doesn't like getting a movie funded, especially amidst like the writer strike and everything. I know this movie was made before it, but like, yeah, and they really got killed. In not that I think this movie would have done crazy, like better if it had. It doesn't actually have any like big names attached. No. Um, <laughs> sorry, John David Washington is. I actually, I actually think like he's really good in this, but he is not like you know at that level yet. He's not. Yeah, um, but. Even if they had the actors for promotion, that would have helped some. It would have definitely because Gemma Chan, she's gotten pretty big yeah. in the last few days or a few years because of like Eternals and then also Crazy Rich Asians was a big step off point for her too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh I wanna I wanna talk about this movie. I wanna talk about also my expectations going into it. I really wanted this movie to be good. <laughs> you were you knew because we've seen the trailer for this movie I together know. like four times. I know. Um and I, I just really wanted it to be good. I kind of had doubts, especially when the trailer used a slowed down version of Dream On by Aerosmith. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh. that's, our, that's our favorite trend that we talk about <laughs> when we're watching trailers. So we're like, the what are the odds down. that this movie does a slowed down like, like pop song? <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. And it's all, it's like, I think it's about 80% of trailers I yeah. see. Exactly. At least eighty. It it definitely is, and it's really really funny. If I'm being, honest. I think it's gonna be. I think I want to find a time where like they use a song that's completely inappropriate. <laughs> they use like "Sexy" and I know it by LMFAO. <laughs> <laughs> what if they use that? The idea of that is really funny. <laughs> Just like a symphony underneath of "Sexy" and I know. <laughs> that would be really funny. That would be really funny. That would be really, really funny. Uh, oh uh, my god, please for like the Super Mario Bros. 2. <laughs> <laughs> Super Mario Brothers 2. Oh my god, that would be horrible. It'd be so funny. And we'd be like, Mushroom Kingdom, here, here we, we come. Go. I'm sexy and I know it. <laughs> it's oh. gonna be it would be great. God, be that'd great. be funny. Um yeah, but I really did want this movie to be good, especially because I want original movies to succeed and original sci-fi movies. I can't remember the last time we've gotten like something like this that was actually decent. Like there was that one that came out by Brian Woods and the other guy from the Quad Cities that I can't remember his Scott name. Scott Beck. Scott Beck, and it was with Adam Driver, and it wasn't very good. Apparently, I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but it wasn't really no. unfortunate. Um, so you know, I. 
And, you know, there were parts that I really liked. I think I disagree with you on this a little bit. I thought that the action was definitely very good. Okay, okay, well, well Juan, let's give an overview. That's what we, I want to give, my overview you're, of you're, thoughts. No, no, okay, you're going to give your overview of thoughts, but we haven't even given the freaking plot yet. You're right, no one saw this movie, so. <laughs> yeah, exa- no, exactly. <laughs> like, no one saw this movie. Um, It's about a guy who lives in a post- AI world where basically AI was AI created. was like invented in like think of it if like if AI was invented towards the beginning of the industrial revolution yeah like around the 40s 40s 50s, 50s. yeah yeah um and basically they used AI to take a lot of like menial labor so for example like manufacturing jobs or taxi drivers taxi drivers like Anyone, ladies, anyone that was most likely to get COVID during the pandemic. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Um, and it, it basically minimum wage, kind of those types of jobs, uneducated jobs, uh, were taken by AI, and they were like, "Oh yeah, look, we're going to use AI to do this." But then there was a huge nuclear detonation in the United States, um, that was blamed on AI, um. Basically, because like the AI did it, you mean? Yeah, the AI, the AI did it. Fine, the AI did. You can't it. even you can't hint at the spoilers. Yeah, but you could have seen that from a mile away. <laughs> it could have been that the AI actually did it. What if they wanted to start a right. war with the with the United States? I get it. Well, I mean, it's not a it's not a it's not a spoiler. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so but, so and, the so the AI launches a, a, a nuke in um, LA, you know, kills like thousands of people. A lot of people. Then it, it and then the Western world, which I, is basically it's the world is like kind of two continents. There's like United like Western, United Eastern. Yeah, there's basically the Eastern world and the Western world. Yeah, yeah. So the like the Western world said, okay, screw AI. We're getting rid of all AI. AI is public enemy number one. You know. And they're and they're just they are killing all the AI all the time. Yeah. Whereas the Eastern world was like, uh, no, we still like the AI. We think they're chill. They're good. Uh, yeah. But the Western world was like, no. So then they kind of started a war. There's a big war over AI. And there are like AI soldiers in the East as well. You know, maybe this is why this movie also isn't doing good. The elevator pitch is far too long. <laughs> it really is very long. So, and so basically, like, our main character is John David Washington. Uh, son of Denzel. Son of Denzel Washington. Couldn't remember his name in the movie. <laughs> um, but he's there, and basically he had a wife. Uh, J- Joseph? No, Jer. Joshua. 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 He had a wife who he had met um, while he was undercover in the in Eastern East. world. And and his wife is believed to be the daughter of this guy named Nirmata. Yes. And Nirmata is like the 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 god of AI. Yes. You know, he he is Nirmata is like the AI's Jesus Christ, but he gets reincarnated. True. Um Basically, like the, the the creator of all AI and like the the god of AI, or the person who's like doing the most like development, and he's basically the person who's like pushing AI forward. And the Western world sees Nirmata as like you know public enemy number one. Kill him. You stop AI like and then, actually moving forward. Um, so AI will just die out. Yeah, basically. and John David Washington being undercover uh, falls in love 
and you know has a child with with his daughter with Nirmata's daughter. Yep. You know, and then he's like undercover, but he's also in love. What a conflict of interest. It's a very con- big conflict. Yeah. Um and so events ensue eventually there's a, they lose contact because of the war. John David Washington's wife, he never sees her again, but then he thinks that he can see her again um to find this like very like the secret weapon of all AI. Yeah, they're like Nirmata has created the yes. weapon and we know it's at this base. And so big military boss played by Allison Janney comes in as like if you find and destroy this weapon, we'll find your wife. Um, and so they end up going to get the the big weapon, and it's a child. What? There's only one thing worse than a rape. <laughs> a child. No. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so, like, in this world, again, elevator pitch, far too long. It, this is, like, the first 30 minutes of the movie, too. <laughs> like, there's, you, I mean, and I will give it credit, like, you know, while we're just talking about it, it seems really complicated as we're explaining it. It's, they they it's do pretty a good. pretty dang good job, I think. Especially in the flashbacks of the exposition. I thought yeah. that was really well done. Yeah, I agree. Especially, I think, no, like, like the opening kind of title sequence. Mm-hmm. I love a good opening title sequence that like gives you all of the background in a succinct yet entertaining way. It's, yeah. It actually does a lot of work. It's really, really, really good. It reminded me, like another, this is a similar kind of style in terms of the exposition of like we're living in this post dystopian society is like the again for lack of a better example the opening of Wally where like they're talking about you know oh this yeah. is this is the uh the world that they live in now after all the trash is there and like what happened to the humans yeah. why does it look like that I thought that was really well done maybe it was just because of the style because it looked like it was ads out of like the 50s and I don't know, but it was really well done. I felt like yeah. it really set the stage well for what we were about to see. Yeah, I, like the first, you know, probably the first like 20 minutes or so, you're kind of figuring out how the world works. And then you get it. You're and then you're just kind of into it. You you know what's happening. Yeah, it, it's, and it's honestly not that hard to follow. Um, so I actually like that a lot from this movie. Anyway, wait, 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 he finds the weapon, the weapon's a kid, and then he's like, oh my god, I can't just, like, kill a kid, even though the kid has, like, gears in the back of his head, and the kid is technically AI, AI. but it's actually- but, but it's a kid. It's just, it's just a kid. Like, and it's the, like, it's not just any kid, it's like a small kid. Like, the yeah. kid is, like, six. Yeah. Okay, so thing that should be noted with this movie, all of the AI is, like, ridiculously advanced. Yes. It, like, to the point where everything of AI that you see- you know, it's not like even like the robots from freaking Star Wars. It is, they are no, they're all- they're just humans. They are all, like the Turing test does not exist. You know, like yeah. they have all passed with flying colors. Yep. Because they all like act like humans, have emotions like humans, emote like in the same way. It is, they're all basically just humans. They're basically just humans, except in the back of their head, there's like a little gear. Yeah, and it and that's the only distinguishing factor. Yeah, I mean, well, there are some that are that they do just kind of look like droids, but yeah. like, uh, but most of them are you know like fully like human looking things, and and yeah, it, it like they're just kind of humans, and it's really hard to not see them as anything but that, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, but so he's like, they're I also can't, played by humans. Too. They're also played by humans. Yeah. So he's like, I can't kill this kid. And then, you know, obviously road trip ensues. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the Sonic movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they go on their little, they go on their little road trip. And then he's, and then it's like, it's just like a buddy cop movie. You know, <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, like at, like at the end, you know, they have their disagreements, but in the but end, they come back together. In the end, they got to come back together and they realize, damn, I really do love you, brother. <laughs> that's essentially the gist of this one. That's just, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, that's definitely what happens no, in the movie. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I think that's about as you know, that, that, far with the plot. We're that not we going to go, go more into that because it's, there's, it's just spoilers, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Th- that gives you the premise. And as you can tell, it sounds really complicated when we explain it, but I think we've said it pretty clear. The movie does a really good job of setting it up. Yeah. And again, and this kind of, you know, when we both left the movie, we were like, there are things this movie does so, so well. This is one of them. And I, uh, if this totally, were in another sci-fi movie, of like, yeah. this is an original thing. Another one I think of is like the first episode of The Last of Us um, on HBO. Yeah, yeah. It does the similar thing where it talks about the fungus and like why fungi are the, you know. Yeah. The, you know, the it, danger of zombies. And that for sort something of thing. like this, if you don't have a strong opening, you know, everyone's lost and you're dead on arrival. They realize, I think they rightly recognize that the most important part of this movie to get right was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, for the first, I would say until he, up until he like finds the kid, I was pretty much totally on board. Yeah, I, was, I agree. Like I didn't really have any issues. Um, and because it was all just set up. And I, th- another really strong point of this movie that I think it is exploring are the themes. I yeah. think the themes are really strong. The execution of the themes we'll get into later, but but what it was trying to say and trying to do, yeah, <clears throat> really works. I especially think, it's especially, really timely. Yeah. Not just because we're living in a world that is has ChatGPT and all that. I'm not that's not the reason why. Yeah, no. By the way, fun fact, I so I'm in dental school for those who don't know. And we had a rep. Fucking everyone knows Keishos. I know. And we had a rep from Sonicare, like the (laughs) the, the toothbrush company, come and like talk to us about using Sonicare. And apparently there is a toothbrush by Sonicare. Oh my God. That utilizes AI to like sense how hard you're pushing on your teeth. And then it like, isn't that crazy? They put AI in a toothbrush. (laughs) Just, Just want to put that out there. Thank you for telling There's an AI toothbrush. Everyone. It exists. Thank you, Keshav. You're welcome. Thank you. You all needed to know that. Yeah, I did. Um, but it's not <laughs> but I digress. It's not because <laughs> of that that this movie is timely. It's timely yeah. for other reasons. No, uh, it, like if you're looking for like a Turing test type of movie where it's like are AIs really human? Do we need if a robot dies, does it like actually die? If you're looking for like a full discussion about that, no. Like there are parts where it like asks that question, but it's a lot, I think they actually handle that super well. Yeah. Because it is, it's kind of like there are people who get it and there are people who don't. Yeah. You know, it's like any, it's like bigotry. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like when you look at, 
and and there's a whole metaphor there. It's like, but it's like, you know, people who are like actually like to their soul bigoted about like some kind of you know issue or 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 belief and identity, they literally it just like doesn't comprehend. They don't get it. Yeah, like. And and like convincing them to get it is like it takes so so long to do. Exactly. Whereas in this movie, it's like the people, the people who get it, it's like they feel bad for the AIs when they die. They see the humanity in them, even though they're AI. It's and then for everyone else, they're like, "Oorah!" Yeah. By the way, there's also like an avatar thing of we're rooting for uh, U.S. Marines to die, which is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. It's kind right. of... But there wasn't any unobtainium. Unobtainium. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, and there's, a, there's like the social commentary that they were going for, I think works. Yeah. In like... If I were to explain it, but um, the AI is actually just a stand-in for minorities. <laughs> yes, and that's not that's that's on purpose yeah. because all of almost all of the AI soldiers and like people and everything they're all played by people of color. Yeah, is that because it's from the Eastern world? Maybe, but also they put it in the Eastern world for a reason. It's very yeah. very clear that it's analogous and it's symbolizing the also, way that yeah, the US feels about immigrants and minorities and that sort of thing. There's a reason why they say in the movie, "Oh, the AIs were taking people's jobs." Right? Um, that is a yeah. quote from the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Like, and, and it makes sense. Also, our main character, who's the only kind of Western person who in the movie that we see really empathizes with mm-hmm. the AI is black. Is black. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all the other people from the West that we see are Everyone white. Everyone is white. Everyone is white. And and that is, you know, one hundred thousand percent intentional. Yes. And it's and like that's such a strong theme, I think, to build a franchise off. Honestly, yeah, that's that's actually such a terrible way to phrase that. <laughs> it's such a it's it's a really good idea to base this yeah. type of story on. Yeah, and it, it, I, on, let me expand on what I mean because I'm like that is such a huge you know tackling racism um, is such a huge huge undertaking to do thematically in one movie. So if they were going for multiple movies here, um, I'm like, yeah, to fully flesh that out and like really look at it from a lot of angles, you're going to need like a lot of different films um, to bring this full circle because there's no easy answer, right? And and I think that movie, uh, I mean, I think Gareth Edwards and the writers, I think they recognize that. Um, yeah. That being said, do we want to get into the problems that we have with it yet? Yeah, I think it's time. Uh <sighs> I want to say one more good thing about the movie first before we shot shit on beautifully. it. What? Shot beautifully. Yeah, it shot really, really well. I think it's edited pretty dang well. Edited really, really well. Pa- pacing could, there's some parts you can cut out and then the ending runs a little long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, um, and then I honestly, I thought the VFX were quite good, especially for the budget that they had. Oh, I totally, I think the VFX are, the all of the, like, the robots look insane. Mm-hmm. They look All really of the good. blending in, like, because there's a lot of AIs with the, like a piece in the back of their head, all of like the 
Um, the blending with that looks fantastic. Like yeah. there's a lot of great VFX. Yeah, and the last subtle VFX. Too. Yeah, really, and it's kind of putting these 300, 400 million dollar movies to shame because the, oh know, my god, it's yeah. an eighty million dollar movie. Why did the look, VFX look in this look more believable than fucking Marvel? Yeah, exactly. God. And uh, it's because Marvel's union wasn't unionized. Or <laughs> now Marvel, they're unionized. Marvel VFX though. wasn't unionized. Now they're unionized. Sh- shout out to Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to the Marvel VFX people. For yeah, and Ayatsi. Shout out Ayatsi. Yes, shout out Ayatsi. Last thing I'm going to say that I thought was actually pretty good. I it's a, it's a well acted movie. It it's is a very well acted. I I agree. Uh, you kept saying I don't like how they keep ma- trying to make John <laughs> David. John didn't, didn't happen. <laughs> I stand by it. I, I agree. I'm not saying I don't agree with you. Look, he was really good here. Yeah, I, like he's always been. A, he was really good. Like in Black did, Klansman, he was good in that movie. I know. I know. I know. And like he, but like he did like, you know, Amsterdam. He, <laughs> is that the one? God, <laughs> he's had a rough intro to big budget movies. But you're right. His. John David Washington, uh, I don't think there's any other actor that really needs to be directly shouted out. Um, the child but, actor was pretty good. The ch- okay, actually, wait, shit, yeah. Because she was in it for most of it. Her name is Madeline Yuna Voiles. She was good. Um, I'm going to say it. This is probably the best child performance I've seen all year. Yeah. Um, I, who's to compare? No Not, one. No I mean, one. <laughs> Like literally the, the, from Barbie? the kid, the, <laughs> yes, the kid that we're about to talk about uh, in, oh, in the Haunting of Venice. <laughs> no, <laughs> like it, it's so hard to find a good child actor these yeah. days. Not these days. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, but this child actor was actually exceptional. She was good. She was good. Um, um, but overall, it's a well acted movie. There was no one who was like bad, right? Yeah. No, but my point about John David Washington, okay, is it's like. You know, he he was really, really good here. He just, there's something about leading, like, a leading actor that they got to have, like, a amount of charisma that you want to, like, emulate. Like, that you take away from from watching the movie. Right? And it's so hard to actually pin down what that is. But when you watch, like, Daniel Craig as Bond, when he actually enjoyed it, like... Sure. Like, if you watch Casino Royale... Like his charisma is nuts. Yeah, it is I insane agree. how good he is. When you watch Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, like he's the same way. Such yeah. a charismatic actor, you know. There and I, there's just like that little bit that's missing because his acting is phenomenal. Um, you know who has that like really really down? Who? Andrew Garfield. Actually, yeah. Andrew Garfield has that down, even when he was Spider Man. No, I totally agree. Actually. Yeah, even like I when I will shit on those Spider-Mans all day. I like him in those. He's great in it. I yeah. think Andrew Garfield has that too. Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield in Hacksaw Ridge, a movie that I honestly <laughs> don't like at all. <laughs> you I, don't like Hacksaw Ridge? It's it's like a well-made movie. I just hate Mel Gibson. You're right. And He's I kind hate, of the worst. And I hate like the premise and like the whole like thing of that movie. Andrew Garfield was great. Though. It's kind of like an excuse to just like show a bunch of people getting shot to death. True. Anyway. You um, liked All Quiet on the Western Front though, so don't at me. Oh, shit, I did. <laughs> I did. But- Andrew Garfield's like great in that. He, you're right. Mm-hmm. He has like like charisma, and that's what makes a movie star. That is what right. a movie star is. Is really it's like someone who's that charismatic. That's why Tom Cruise is top of the game 
Despite him being crazy. Despite him being a shit. He is like, <laughs> he, he's like his charisma is off the board. <laughs> it, no, like it cannot be measured. It's insane. Right. So yeah, I, that's, that's kind of just my feelings is he doesn't have that. Unfortunate. Um, <laughs> he has so much to live up to <laughs> when your dad is Denzel Washington. The real sadness is that he's just not Denzel. Yeah, you're right. He's just, he's just not Denzel. Very unfortunate. Cause you want to know who someone who's got charisma in spades? It's Denzel. Denzel Washington does. It's Denzel. He was in the Equalizer too. <laughs> <laughs> My mind, Training Day. Your mind, Equalizer <laughs> too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. we'll stop dancing around the fact, uh, and just get to the just get to the the problems the that old we had. Meat and potatoes. Um. So this movie decides to have a uh, title structure. Like oh chapters. God, stupidest title. Um, it's really dumb. I don't think that they should have had it. It made the movie feel longer than it needed to be. Number one. Yeah. Um. Number two. Some of the chapters were just should have been cut. Yeah. Entirely, I, especially when you segment your movie like that, you kind of put your movie in distinct acts. Yeah. That's the whole point of chapters, right? Yeah. And so you when you do that, you structure your story very rigidly. Yeah. No, I and it, they felt like this is act one, this is act two, this is act three. And it, they had names to each of the sections, but there was no theme. You know, they'd be based around like a character yeah. most times a theme. And that character was either the entire theme or was just kind of there. Yeah. Like it, yeah. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Please, please don't laugh at me for saying this. But actually good example of chapters in a movie. Can't believe I'm saying this. Is Zack Snyder's Justice League? <laughs> Fuck you. I can't believe I'm saying this. But at least that movie, it had purposes for its chapters. You could tell you were like, this is what they're going for. This is the theme of this chapter. We've accomplished it now. But it was also a four-hour movie. So Tox toxic so male energy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I see the only time I'll compliment that movie. <laughs> No, he actually compliments it off mic all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I totally do that. Definitely do that all anyway, the time. Anyway, no, chapters, they, they didn't need to be there. They screwed up the pacing real bad. Especially because, like we said, the first chapter was really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Really intriguing. But then there was one, it was in the middle. It was called The Mother. I distinctly remember no, no, it no, being it was, so it was, boring. It was The Friend. The Friend, the friend. you're right. That one was really boring and not needed. It was boring. It was not needed. Like I'm pretty sure I went to the bathroom during it. My my <laughs> thing, okay. My thing about this movie, it's like my overarching problem that I have with this movie is like I I love the themes. I love what they're trying to do with the themes. I think the the potential that you can see in what they're doing is so huge and especially in that middle it all gets so jumbled up and you cannot find a like coherent central idea to this movie. And it's mostly in that middle portion. It feels like they're wandering around yeah. for the middle portion and they've lost aim of what they're trying to do. Yeah, I know. Basically, throughout the middle and end of this movie, you can kind of tell John David Washington's character kind of gets attached to this child, right? Yeah. Because... He lost a child already from yeah. when he was pregnant with his wife, but then they got separated, right? Yeah. Um, 
and so he's latching onto this child because he's like, I can save her. I can do it. Um, but then there's all these competing people who are trying to get her back or kill her. Right. Yeah. But with that theme, they need to have an aim of why they're going to the places that they're going to. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And it feels like they're just kind of like, we got to hide. This place looks good. Let's go do it. Yeah. Which is a dumb reason to go to a place. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a very dumb reason. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I really think that whole, and I get it because you had to build up that relationship, but there was so little actual development of like the themes mm-hmm. in, during that time. It, it, it just, it wasn't strong at in the slightest. And the other thing that like really, it, it actually kind of made me mad because- I really, really liked Alice and Janie's character initially. Yeah, because they give her they give her a backstory of like her son was killed by by an AI when he was like on duty, um, because and because he was in the military, and then, uh, and you can like you can tell like why she hates them, like where it's coming from. It's really, really strong, like like writing and the setup that scene of the setup was really good because yeah. it's when they're on their way to try and get this weapon. Yeah, yeah. So, but after that scene, we just don't whole, see her. <laughs> her whole character is Urah. Yeah. You know? It, it, like, uh, she just becomes generic Marine. Uh, and there's like more than one occasion of that, I feel like, in this movie, right? It feels like the the wife character, honestly, I think... When she's on screen, she has a lot of like great. Um, she has a lot of. She feels like really, really human and genuine in a way that, and she is human. She's not AI. I do yeah, want to yeah. put that out there. And in a way that, like, a lot of characters in this movie don't feel human, to, um, in an intentional way. Yeah. But then she becomes like this larger than life figure that we're trying to get to. She's like an esoteric figure. That's like an, it's like an idea that they're trying to chase. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, are you going for like a Jesus metaphor or some <laughs> shit here? Like, I don't, we don't know. Yeah. It, it didn't. And it just never, I don't know. It, it became really hard to empathize because the whole time he was like, I just want to get back to my wife. That's strong. By he, we mean Jordan, John David, John David Washington. Washington. Yeah. That's strong. That is, it's central. It's easy to understand. It works well. Yeah. And I also feel like in the middle, if they wanted to develop that more, maybe John David Washington and the kid can learn more about her and what she's been doing because it's kind of all just dumped on us at this one time. Yeah. And then it's over. Yeah. No, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. There's. You could make that us care so much more about his goal, and you could bring the kid and John and uh, John David Washington and the and the mother character together because the kid also sees his wife as her mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. She calls Gemma Chan, who's who's John David Washington's wife, mother. That's what she calls her. You exactly. Right. And so there's clearly a relationship there. And if you had just integrated that more into the places that they were going to in the middle, then you could have both A, developed the relationship between John David Washington and the child, and B, you could have given direction 
to where they were going to keep us engaged as the audience and make the story work a lot better. Question to you. Did this movie ever feel like a story about a family? No. Exactly. Which sucks because that's what it's supposed to be about, especially considering one whole chapter is called the mother, another one's called the child, and the yeah. other one's called like... The friend. The, yeah, okay, the friend. Well, we forget about the friend. But like... <laughs> No, but like, exactly. That's my point. They use child and mother, right? Like these are family words, but at no point I'm going to, okay. Spoiler, I guess in no point during this runtime are all three of them together and like able to interact. They're never there. Yeah. It never happens, you know? And I think that is absolute shit. Yeah. Because like we get why like his connection to her, her connection to the child, child's connection to her, the child's connection to John David Washington, which is the main thing that was saying, but it feels really like a love story and then a father uh, child story. Like un- unironically buddy comedy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like buddy road trip, except it's not a road because they're just like walking places. There are some funny moments where the child swears. That, that was really funny. That actually was kind Ch- of funny. Children swearing is pretty Children funny. swearing will always be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, which unfortunately brings us to our their award of of the movie, and we've kind of hinted at it, but unfortunately, it's Alice and Janney, right? Yeah, it's Alice and Janney, and it sucks because she's like, there's not really a villain in the movie, so she's kind of the villain. Y- she's pretty much the villain, yeah. Right? But she's like the face of the U.S. being like AI sucks, right? Yeah, I will say also other possible their award. Um, the uh, Asian actor who is always in Christopher Nolan movies. <laughs> he was the guy in Inception. Oh, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe is also <laughs> in this. He's also very there. He, he really is there. He's one of like the AI soldiers. <laughs> He's super there. Uh, and but- I'm like, I couldn't tell you this guy's rank, his relationship hey, to he anyone. he was also in Transformers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's there. Um, but yeah, I like... I, it's what I said earlier, where Alice and Janney's character is so real and then so not. And and it's, she was there. And when I say that, I mean she was there for the first 20 minutes. Yep. It was just. And we were really rough. excited to see what she had. And there was nothing. Because it's not like Alice and Janney's a bad actress because she's really good. No, I think, she, and again, when she's like doing the actual character work, she's great. But yeah. Very unfortunate. I. <laughs> Okay, this is going to go out large, more largely to um, um, Gareth Edwards now, I think, for me. Because, look, I, I know people love Rogue One. And that movie's grown on me a lot. I still think it's the best. I, it probably has aged the best out of any of the Disney Star Wars products. You're right. Like, it really has. I think Mando Season 1 is really good. Mando Season 1 is good. But, like... It, it, and I heard Andor's good too. Okay. Okay. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. I haven't seen it. Of the movies. The um, movies. Okay. Okay. So it, I, I always thought it was like kind of overhyped, really. I think that there is like not a lot of depth to Rogue One. It's fair. I think it's a really, really cool movie. Cool. It's like the, I think it's cool, especially for like, the fact that it's telling kind of a smaller scale story yeah, yeah within yeah. the Star Wars universe, which was always my appeal to it. And it and it tells it like a war movie, but it's not like, you know, it's not like gritty. You know, people are like, 
oh, he's a spy. He's doing the dirty work. This is stuff you never see in Star Wars. I'm like, what are you freaking talking about? It's like, Han I'm Solo like, exists. I'm like, he's doing <laughs> the most basic like smuggler stuff. There's no like, yeah. like genuine hard decisions in a lot of that movie. Like it's, yeah, I, I, I think Rogue One is good, but it's not a very like deep movie. And that's kind of my thing for this movie is it feels so much like it's reaching to be, to connect on the, on a very deep fundamental level. Um, and the AI is really just a tool. It doesn't actually, I don't think this director actually cares about the future of AI or anything. I think it's topical in that way. Like, you know, there, I, I think it's, I think it's a timely movie in that sense for like relevance, but yeah. the actual AI, I don't think matters to the themes of this movie. It does it because it's not about, oh, AI is going to take over the world. It's yeah. tackling these issues of oppression. Yeah, exactly. Right? Which exactly. again, if they wanted to go for that angle, which they clearly did, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. They should do that, but they have to make the story conducive to supplementing that theme. Exactly. Right? In the construction of the narrative. Yeah. So they need to build up, they need to humanize the Nermada's character a lot more. They need uh, to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. Fun fact, again, a little bit of a spoiler, we never see Nermada. Yeah, exactly. We never do. It, like, it's exactly what you said. Like, there is just so much legwork of the development that was lost, you know, and it was spent on really like looking back pointless plot. That's the main, like that's my main thing that I don't like about this movie is I think there's so much plot and, and when it's condensed, like in that beginning scene, it's great. Yeah. Right. But it's often stretched out over long periods of time and it just drags the movie down and it weakens all of the themes because that's time that you need to spend developing the really subtle, like mm-hmm. the things that make a, a thematic movie really, really work super well. You know, Here. you know. Again, we talk. We love Get Out. Let's just use that because we talk yeah. about it all the time. Get Out. You know, doesn't spend like it does not dilly dally on something that is not very, very important to the theme. No, everything is there for a very specific reason. Yeah. And the other thing in that movie that this movie doesn't have is it has a sense of location. Yes. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot about that. And get out. It's easy and easy, quote unquote, it get out. For it's, them to do but, that. It's, but it isn't like one it's house. It's easier than, than this movie would to do that because they're at their parents' house for most of the movie. And parts and partly in Atlanta. In Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) And at the TSA station. (laughs) (laughs) Love them. But yeah, so like it's easier to do that movie. Rather than this movie, there is a big, big universe. But like we said in the middle, they're kind of just wandering around places. Yeah. We have no idea where they are half the time. Oh, also, she has powers and it's super ambiguous on what they can actually do. Oh my God, how we forget about that? Oh my God, she has. I, I know. It's so ambiguous. Because we forget about them that she has them until like the last 20 it's, minutes of the movie. And like, oh my God. It's it, like <laughs> when, I, when I say ambiguous, like you literally do not know. I if, still couldn't tell you. You don't what. know if she is an EMP or an on off switch. Yeah. Like you don't know. Like I don't like, know. You know that she has the ability can, to control things, but you're like, wait, can you bring things back to life or can you kind of just shut them down and turn them back on? Like it makes no sense. No I, sense at all. No sense. 
Um, massive L. No, no. But like, <laughs> but again, I this is what I I kind of said to you as as we got on, and I'm like, and I still kind of stand by it. I think a lot of the groundwork and a lot of that like mid level stuff is really good. I think there's some low level stuff in. Um, in like easy stuff that you could have cut and cut down that it could have been edited out. Sure. That, that could have been better. I Pacing's think, the main thing that comes to mind. Yeah. But like the the thing that that they did not nail was just all of the really, really high level stuff. The high just, level commentary that they were going for, yeah. especially. Yeah. It's, it's the same. This is going to sound a weird comparison, but it's the same way that I felt about Zootopia. <laughs> I know this is going to, it, it feels like it's out of the blue. I know. I want. I came away from Zootopia, and I'm like, you guys are trying to tackle racism in comparisons that don't actually make sense. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. You can't make a comparison to like racism when it, you know, this animal actually eats that animal, and you're like, oh, beware of predators. I'm like, wait, don't the predators still like eat meat in this world? True. So shouldn't you? Kind, it, it's not a one-to-one. Yeah. It, right? And it, and it's like, again, it's just like that when the high-level stuff doesn't work, for me, the rest of the movie just falls so flat. You're right. Yeah. Um, and it's just unfortunate more than anything, I think, yeah. for both of us because like the, the, the foundation is there, right? Mm-hmm. The foundation is definitely there. And if some things, again, big things, but if some things had gone another way, we would be talking very differently about this movie. No. Yeah. Very, very differently. Um, yeah. Yeah. If I had to give a recommendation, I honestly would say skip it. Unfortunately, I don't think that there's any really redeeming quality about watching it other than maybe seeing a good child actor performance and cool visuals. The acting performances are good. The visuals are good. If us talking about this um, has, you know, interested anyone in like wanting to kind of also get into to this movie and really figure out like why doesn't this work? That's the only thing I'm interested in seeing. I'm like, I'm like, because there is so much potential. Yeah, there's a lot of potential. Oh and wait, he- there's also like a floating space thing. That like it also is ambiguous on what it does. Sorry, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of crap, and and this is what I w- I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about it earlier, especially when we we're talking about the chapters, especially if they wanted to go for the chapters, and it's clear that they wanted to tell a lot of things that are happening and have happened in this world, right? Is that yeah. not true? Yeah, yeah. So either they should have just said, okay, we're gonna do a sequel like plan for a sequel and then they can do some other stuff. Maybe they could have tackled the friend or whatever in that movie. Right. They could have done that. Yeah. And then just kept it mainly on John David Washington and this kid in this one. Yeah. And maybe save the floating spaceships for the next one too. Or if they wanted, if the main thing that they wanted to do was just tell a story in this world, then they could have also done like the vignette approach. They could have done that too. I think I, I think honestly not do 
I think some non-linear structure stuff would 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 yeah. do would do a lot of good. It just break it up and let us like spend. <laughs> have we time. ever said a movie's too linear? That's crazy. I t- I know. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember ever saying that. I, I this guy needs to go to Christopher Nolan and see. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I genuinely prefer linear storytelling most. Me times. too. So this, is, so this is like it's crazy, but I honestly think it would have. You just needed something to just like break this up and because there's also like the big quote unquote reveal. It's not a big it's reveal. It's not a big reveal. It's really shit. Um, yeah. But like the... How to put this? I th- the I really think that this actually is how it works. I'm like, the bigger and more complicated question you are trying to answer, the simpler your messaging needs to be. Yeah. You know? I'm like, you need to make... Again, if you're trying to tackle a huge, huge theme, you've got to make it so that it is a really, really simple but wide-reaching and powerful message. And this just, it it really went for, we're going to complicate. Well, not complicate. They weren't trying to do that. They're like, we're going to try and tackle this from so many different ways. And it's just, it never comes together. It doesn't it's so because a lot of it is just extraneous to what they're trying to say. Exactly. Too. So, yeah. All right. Um, that was our long-winded discussion. That was our long take. Long. <laughs> That's the name of the show. Uh, you said it. <laughs> you know, sometimes, I mean. We that- can't get through an episode without referencing Family Guy. Fair enough. That's actually so true. Uh, our big question for this movie um, is more of a global question, not necessarily targeted at the movie, but just targeted at like the the state of cinema, which is like, what makes a successful original movie? I think back to the discussion we kind of had initially when we were talking about this movie and getting into it, um, like for not for a genre movie in particular. It is so, so hard. Yes. It, I think it takes, and I really, really do think it takes star power. I think it just has to. I don't, I can't think of a movie. I can think of a lot of movies without star power that have done well in like, you know, the dramas and the indie worlds yeah. and stuff like that. can't think of a single big budget genre movie has ever done well without star power. Um, yeah, because let's look at let's look at the most successful, in my opinion. Actually, wait, Star Wars. Yeah, I guess Star Wars, but that was also in the seventies when the state of cinema was a lot different than it is now. You either need star power or you need to literally define define the a genre. genre, right? Yeah. Star Wars defined sci-fi still. Yeah, like people are still trying to just do it Star is, Wars. No, it is still like the gold standard for sci-fi. Yeah, and it's the same way that. Indiana Jones is the gold standard for adventure films, yeah. right? Yeah, no, 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 exactly. It's the exact same way. So they did it like 50 years ago and the state of cinema is just so different because that was also at the time when new technology was coming out. New technology right. was coming out. The blockbuster was a new concept, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're like, oh, there are all these original movies in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. They, didn't, also- have the, they didn't have the concept of a franchise. No. Like, they didn't, they also didn't, like theme parks weren't as big as they are yeah. now. That's another thing. Merchandising wasn't as big as it is now. Right. We can All also of thank that Star stuff, Wars for that. It makes a huge, huge difference. Physical media was not a thing other than like VHS, but that was in the 90s. Yeah, no. Right? Yeah. 
So if people wanted to see a movie again, they would either have to wait for it to come on on TV or they would have to go see the re-release in theaters. Yeah. But again, there it's so hard because it's like a movie that I think anyone who's seen it loves it is Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Maybe you don't feel the same. I haven't seen that movie. Why have you not? I'm no one saw it. It is so freaking good. And it's like a simple premise. It's got Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And yeah, there is chem- chemistry and charisma. It's such a winner of a movie. Like it is an A, an easy A. It is so- But no one saw it. But no one freaking saw it. Including me. <laughs> no, like literally. So it's like, it's like for an original franchise, again, especially in a genre like sci-fi or, or fantasy, you need to have- an idea and concept that is so original that people just have to see it. Yeah, and I think if I had to say the most successful genre film that's been original in the last, like, 10 years yeah, is probably, like, Knives Out. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, that's definitely a genre film. It's a but that's a genre heavy, film. Heavy genre film. Yeah, but that's a genre film that doesn't have a big budget. Exactly. And it doesn't have a big budget. Yeah. And what did it have? Star power. Hell of it star had power. hella star power. So much star power. So much star power, including the director himself being Ryan Johnson, who is very, very successful. Yeah. No. Right? And so that's the thing, is that that's what you need to be able to do in order to effectively create a successful original movie. Because the more genre you get, the harder it becomes. It's Because you've got to sell the studio on it, and more importantly, you have to sell audiences to go and get their butt in the seats in the theater. Yeah. Because that is harder than ever to do now, especially post-COVID. Yeah, I know. Post-COVID and post-streaming is so hard to get people to go to the theater to go see a movie. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. And so you ha- really have to earn their ticket way more than you did previously. Back in the yeah. 80s and 90s, like I said, there was no physical media. There was no streaming. So if you wanted to go see a movie, you would have to go see it. Yeah. So I'll also say something that can really help these big budget movies. Um, and it's like, it's why we point to like the Barbie and Oppenheimer. It's, Barbie and Oppenheimer is what every single marketing executive at any studio is trying to get because what they got was a like viral media around it. Yeah. Right? When people talk about virality, which is the most marketing term that there is, <laughs> like it, it's Barbie and Oppenheimer. People are going to it because it's like the cool thing to do. Yeah. You need, like you would need something like that or star power or a genre like defining movie with star power probably. Yeah, exactly. And Knives Out, was a genre defining movie. I'll yeah. say it. No, right? I I actually I actually totally agree. I think for the modern who done it, I can't like I, I can't even think of like a who done it before Knives Out. <laughs> we'll like, get to it. <laughs> that like actually yeah, that's facts. That actually like really killed it in that way. You yeah, know, it's yeah, yeah. So it yeah. Long story short, we do want more original movies, but it's just so much harder to succeed. Mm-hmm. as an original movie than it was back then just because of the state of cinema and where we are. Yeah. 
Oh, the other movie that we saw, just in time for spooky season, even oh. though it came out in September. Well, yeah, it did. It is A Haunting in Venice. So this is the third movie of Hercule Perrault. Um, Why'd you say it like a French? Isn't he Dutch? He's French. I thought he's Dutch. He's French. The he's, Orient. He's Belgian. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All these Europeans are all the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Am I racist to the Europeans? <laughs> sorry, Europeans. You know, it's, it's what else. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is, yeah, no, but this is the third in this uh, series of murder mysteries from- Agatha Christie. That, Agatha Christie from writer-director Kenneth Branagh, who, you know, we loved Belfast. We really did like Belfast. It was I've seen a lot of fantastic. hate for that movie. What the hell? By film people, they're like, it, it's like, if you, they're, it's like unseasoned fries is what I've heard it called. Um, and I'm like, what well, kind of, did we watch shit? the same, did we watch the same movie? I don't know. That movie had so much heart. It had a lot of heart and it was really <laughs> like, well shot. It was, it was really it was well shot. so well shot. Um, it was like, it was like a love letter to freaking uh, Ireland. It yeah. was so much better than the Banshees of Inna Sharon. You know, hardcore film critics would disagree. I know, but I'll, I'm saying it. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, feel like- I mean, my personal movie experience, yeah. I, I've i listened to a lot more people um, and read a lot more people's takes on Banshees, and now I'm like, shit, that was probably a good movie. I didn't like it. I'd stand by it. It's Fair my enough. bad film take. Let me have this one. No, I'll let you have it. Thank you. But it, like, like that movie was really good. And then on his, like, not on the side, but like his actual movies that he's like doing his day in day out work, Kenneth Branagh, that is, are these murder mysteries. Um, yeah, that seems like what he's been singing his time into other than Artemis Fowl, which apparently was bad, but I didn't see it. That's tough. <laughs> Very tough for Kenneth Branagh. But this has been his kind of, his thing has been adapting these Agatha Christie novels. He did Murder on the Orient Express, which came out in 2017. He did Death on the Nile, which came out in 20, 2021. Yeah, and and you know, similar to like Glass Onion, these movies, it just they are kind of a breath of fresh air because it seems like everyone is having a lot of fun, especially Kenneth Branagh. You like, can tell he really likes doing this, dude. He loves doing this. Yeah, this is actually like his like his shit. Yeah, because if you didn't know, he is like he is probably one of the most experienced Shakespearean actors mm-hmm. working in uh, in film and television. Yeah, and he has famously done a lot of the yes. Shakespearean film adaptations. He did Much Ado About Nothing. Yep. He did Othello, I'm pretty sure. He did. He did yeah. Hamlet? Or, yeah, I want to say think, Hamlet, yeah, right? He did, he did a lot of these. They're, I think they're like, I think some of them are old like BBC productions. Yeah, I know that the Hamlet one that he did was like shot, like it's like the full script. It's yeah. not shortened at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like he's he's a diehard Shakespeare. Um, yeah, and person. he also was like in the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Like he went th- there and did a lot of like. He just got the Wikipedia. I did. Up. I looked it up, but that's like a really well known well known Shakespeare. Yeah, no, like training, like academy, and then he was in a lot of Shakespeare productions. And this in and this does feel like the whole kind of vibe of this is definitely like very old school like acting methods and like everyone is is playing you know very typecast characters that have you know you know you have like 
your lover character, your 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 grieving widow character, your mysterious East Asian <laughs> character. Uh, yeah. We'll get into that. But uh, but like everyone has like it's very very Shakespearean, and you can t- and I feel like that's what he's getting out of this. It, or at least that's mm-hmm. the vibe I get. And he just seems like he's in his element when he is making these. Yeah, and I do want to put it out there that these movies are n- like the elephant in the room because we've already talked about it too. Uh, like obviously the Knives Out now franchise, I guess, is the other very 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 famous. Um, yeah, who done it? That's going on right now in this kind of renaissance that we have of the murder mystery. Um, these are a lot different than those for sure. Yeah, these are a lot more serious, uh, just because they're based on the Agatha Christie books. There's not as much humor. There still is humor, and there's great humor, and it's Actually, pretty funny. There's yeah. some parts that are pretty funny in this movie. Uh, yeah, there's um, some parts that are really funny. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's definitely and it's obviously set in olden times as well. Um, yeah, which is makes a huge difference too. Yeah, but it's just a different vibe. It's a just different vibe in general. Yeah, it it's not it is not going for the glass onion vibe, which is like a very modern take on on, on murder mystery. It is going for a very classical take on the murder mystery. Um, you know, complete with. Tina Fey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tina Fey was in this movie. Tina Fey is in this entire movie uh, with like the. Honestly, a killer transatlantic accent. Yeah. I love hearing that accent. Yeah. It's so fun. It's it's like Bring it back, dude. It is my favorite accent to hear in a movie. I actually think that. Because it's I agree. it's like it first of all, it brings you back to old Hollywood. And then secondly, you know, you like people just you it's a dead accent. Like people don't talk that way ever. Yeah. It's just such a cool accent to hear. And Timothy, Tina Fey. Tina Fey kills that. Yeah. Um, and she's like super fun. Every Everyone in this movie is like pretty much like a lot of fun. The kid kind of sucks. The kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, kid's, the kid's kind of. The, the kid was not good. This is how mean. I see why this kid wouldn't have friends. <laughs> like. There's no reason this kid should have friends. This kid, he's such a dweeb, man. <laughs> he's like, if a dweeb, like, oh my God. went on r slash emo. That was, that was, that, that's this kid. <laughs> and then read Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> he reads Edgar Allan Poe. What? The fuck? He's such Dude. a dweeb, and it's just. It's not even that I don't like his character. It's just he doesn't play it well. It's really robotic. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's robotic and and yeah, it's not great. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like anyway, obviously we're not going to spoil this movie uh, because that's ruins the that's the whole kind of thing that's, here. That's like these. Are the, this is one of the worst movie types of movies that you can spoil. Like, yeah, I actually say it's the worst kind of movie to spoil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. it is. <laughs> so, yeah. so we're not going to do that, uh, but we will give you just like a like a synopsis. Basically, Poirot, who is this famous detective, um, ba- she, he's from the Agatha Christie books. If you read those, I didn't. Um, but Kenneth Branagh plays this detective, and he's like, I'm out of the game. But then Tina Fey comes in and is like, 
there's this really creepy house where this girl died this one time, and I think there's ghosts in there. Yeah. Well, let's go check it out. And he's like, okay, because she's also a writer yeah. and wants to write a book about this house. And she's like, come on, Pura, um, Pura you haven't had a good case in years. <laughs> nice. God. It's such, such a good accent. It's such a good accent. Um, and so chaos ensues when they go to this place, and there's a cast of wacky characters. Well, not really wacky. No, just like, not that wacky. Just like people. So you have the ex-lover of the girl who died. You have her mom. You have the yeah. nanny, right? Caregiver. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, okay. But, but a bunch of characters, and then they're trying to figure out, like... Yeah. The whole shtick. Okay. Let me ask. Did you have fun with the mystery? I did. You did. I had a fun, I had fun with the mystery. I like these kinds of, I, I don't know. I, I love murder mysteries in general. Yeah. I mean, they're, who doesn't? they're, the, mo- <laughs> they're the most fun type of, it's. Cause you're like playing detective also while you're watching the yeah, movie. Exactly. But what makes that, it's not just the concept of having a murder mystery that makes it fun because you need to have the clues in the movie where the characters are finding it out but then you're also thinking about oh could it be this could it be this yeah well, you know it, it just it, it it more than any other movie genre that i can think of invites active participation mm-hmm. right it invites you to pay attention and try to solve it with them and it's just very engaging it's you know like have i seen like the murder mystery done better. Yeah. yeah. But like it, it, it's, it's still like such an engaging medium to do your film through. Like it is, I, I really, really enjoy them. Um, they're, they're, they're just fun. They're so fun. They're just fun. Yeah. Um, and um, that's, the, it, but also in order to have fun with this genre, you also need to make sure that the actors are having fun. Yeah. Which I think they all are except mm-hmm. for the kid. <laughs> that's yeah. No, um, I, I will say, you know, I think, again, it's going to be hard not to compare it to Glass Onion and Knives Out. Um, but, like, the editing, the pacing, the um, cinematography, all of that is really kind of a lot more refined in Knives Out. And that really just comes down to the experience and talent of Ryan Johnson. Yeah, and I right? also want to put it out there. I do think that it makes a big difference that Ryan Johnson's screenplays are wholly original. Yeah, right? I agree. These aren't. They're yeah. confined by the basis of the book. Yeah. I haven't read the book, so I can't say, oh, well, this was different in the book or something. Like that. I, I can't do that. Yeah. But I do give some credit where credit is due in that there's some things that you just can't control when yeah. you're basing this on an already existing story, not an existing yeah. property, an existing story. Yeah. Obviously, you can change parts of the story, but... No, I, no, you I, can't really do that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, especially in, in this kind of story, you're so locked in because those details matter. They matter a lot in a murder mystery where yeah, you're no. looking for details to figure out who did it. Like, yeah. And, you know, Kenneth Branagh is great. I really, really love him, actually. As an actor? As, well, as an actor and even as a director because... Look, I might not love all his movies, but, you know, at least when he's doing things he actually wants to, you know. You're saying not Thor, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When he's doing things that he actually wants to, 
I mean, he always makes a fun movie. I think his Shakespeare adaptations are really good. I will, I will put it out there. I'll yeah. say it, guys. No, again, you know, when he's making things he cares about, you know, this, especially Belfast, because- We he, really liked that movie. God, he just, you can tell he just like, again, very classical method here, very modern um, approach to Belfast. And it just allowed for like his passion to really just kind of flow out. You can tell he really cared about the story and he really cared about the, like he cared about everything. We, we will stop eventually waxing poetic about Belfast, but (laughs) it's, it's it's true though. It's It's a good movie. It's a really good movie. I think it's honestly a little bit underrated. I'll say it's all. Yeah, no, I agree. And also it's just so different from, I think all of his other movies, everything else, especially from the two thousands. Yeah, no, like from like in the nineties, right. He was making the Shakespeare stuff and that sort of, that was like his big thing. But like ever since like 2000, what four? Yeah. Something like that. It's just been very lackluster from him. Everything post Gilderoy Lackart. Um, Lockhart. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, but like, I love him as a director and an actor. He really should not try to dip into horror. No. He's a pretty ass horror director. No, it's not scary. <laughs> In the slightest. It's not scary. The one moment I remember of like being, you know, at all scared, I was like, the jump scare is going to come in five, four, three, three two, one. one. Then, and then it happened. It, it's like, it's, it's not good. It's like, another one of those, I liked what they were going for, but <laughs> it just didn't work. <laughs> like, there's, there's, like, some creepy vibes here and there. There's, like, a decent, decent, that was built in from the Agatha Christie book, story about, like, some, you know, child orphans. Yeah. That are good-ish. No. No, they're not. They're, like, there's, no. <laughs> there's very little here to, like, really grasp on for, like, actual horror and and spook time yeah um yeah oh also okay while we're at it this is a trope in so many movies but uh michelle (laughs) yo being the creepy um the creepy asian uh paranormal like 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 one with the spirits oh my god uh oh my god it's such a trope it's such a big trope and they do it again i don't know if it was they Yo, wrote the movie yeah. like this, or if it was in the book, it Yo, was probably in the book. That's no, it's definitely like this is this is definitely you know a holdover from Agatha Christie too. But like, oh my god, it's there. It's yeah, it's it's it, not great. Michelle Yeoh is great. She's like, a great actress. She's amazing. She's actress. she's an Academy Award winning actress for a reason. But it is it is such a trope. It's in a this big movie. trope, and, and, it, and it feels like it too. You're just like movie. I feel icky about this. <laughs> <laughs> like when you see her and she's doing her like spirit things, you're like oh I don't feel good about this. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> especially all of the like steps that we've taken to try and like have proper Asian representation in Hollywood. Hollywood and then we Michelle Yeoh being a Michelle critical Yeoh part being of- one of the first Asian Americans to win the Oscar for Best Actress last year and now she's <laughs> doing like, this. It's yeah, no. she's going back to play the fucking Asian story t- oh. fortune teller, and you're like, no, so, it, yeah, it it hurts, but it sucks because it's like she's good. She's just, good in the movie. Okay, okay, okay. My favorite like bits of dialogue in this movie come between. Her character and Kenneth Brown's Kenneth character, Brown, yeah, like they, the two of them are completely opposing ideologies, right? Because he is 
I want to get to the bottom of things. I'm all about like facts and, and science and, or, and, and, you know, I'm a detective. And then she is like, oh, the spirits. Um, True. Yeah. Especially <laughs> and, like yeah. during the inciting incident yeah. of yeah. the movie, which again, we're not going to spoil. Yeah. No, but like my point being that she, her character and his character testing each other in that like in like a very intellectual fundamental level some of the best dialogue in this movie yeah it's really it's so entertaining to listen to them trying to one-up each other it feels like you're watching conversation from like game of thrones (laughs) (laughs) right like like do you remember like the conversation between like baelish and uh oh what's his name you you know this better than me i don't know i forgot most of the show uh the the eunuch dude who's always with Tyrion. I don't know. We, there, you know him. <laughs> there, <laughs> shit. There's a lot of like, you no, know, but like Game of Thrones, it was like that same way where I'd like listen to the dialogue and I'd just be like, okay, where's this person trying to win? Who's winning here? Who's winning here? You know, like it was, it was like following that. It was so entertaining. It was so good. I loved it. Um, yeah. But it, it just, you know, and unfortunately I think Michelle Yeoh does get our there award. Uh, oh, she does. Uh, I, I had another idea and I thought of it while we were just talking about this. We didn't talk about this beforehand. We usually talk about who gets the their award before. Um, but <laughs> Michelle Yeoh's assistant <laughs> like in the movie and her yeah. boyfriend. Or her brother too. Or her brother, my bad. <laughs> Shit. Okay, they were also there. My their award personally goes to the... <laughs> Uh, the orphan children, <laughs> both the real ones that you see and the ghost o- orphan children. They sure are there. They are really there, or are they? Wait, there's that one sequence at the beginning, and this is so random, but they use like shadow puppets, and it looks really <laughs> cool. It's really awesome. It was a cool scene. Like the thing. That's like, that's like why I, I love Kenneth Branagh, is like in the middle of this movie, I'll just do like this weird, like shadow puppet like, sequence. abstract, like, awesome sequence and it was great but then he does like the most generic jump scare of all time and you're like what the fuck are you doing i know i'm like okay wait the puppet thing that was creepy that That worked that was creepy like fuck oh god kenneth brano why are you frustrating me (laughs) oh my god but like it's good it's it's good it's a good time it's a good time I don't know. As far as issues that I have with it, is it slightly predictable? Yeah. The murder but- mystery, it, like the actual like way that they resolve it, you know, and like there is ob- the obvious scene of we're going to spend three minutes just breaking down how this actually happened. Which I think is needed. It's, no, it's, it's my favorite. needed in it's, murder mysteries. It's my favorite part of the murder mystery, if yeah. I'm being honest. Like, especially if they go back and, and they do this in this movie where they have scenes like they have flashback scenes where they see like, oh, this is how he came to the conclusion and this is how they did yeah, it and yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. It's it's fun. It's it, cool. It, it works well. I actually, I, I think the murderer ends up being, like I actually think that ends up working pretty well. It's not the most, it's not the hardest to predict, but it does like, it makes sense. It's emotionally resonant. It's all those things. It's good. Um, it's based the, on the book, obviously. So, like, I mean. no, of course, it's at the, at the Agatha Christie. It's going to be good. Again, I think the things that really fell short were those atmospheric horror elements. 
Um, Especially when the movie's called Haunting in Venice. Yeah. I wish that they had also played with the Venice scenery more. I totally Because they kind of get stuck in a house for the whole movie. Yeah. Again, could they have done more with it if it wasn't based on the book? I don't know, right? I mean- but I feel like we. Sh- I wanted to see more of Venice, especially since Venice is such a cool place. And to give an example of like a movie that had Venice scenery was Mission Impossible earlier this year. Yeah. Um. The the Venice the the stuff that took place in Venice, it was in Venice. No, you definitely. knew you were there, and it's cool, right? No, I, I think the problem is they're landlocked for a lot for a lot of this movie, and the part that they're not, they they do. They really try to do it. Like like they use the like the Venice canals really really it's strong well. like yeah. really well they, they and they use them a lot it's great but yeah i i think you're right like the the scenery definitely kind of ended up becoming yeah. more of a background than a character also, itself i don't think i don't know if this is just because we saw it in marcus theaters shout out to greg marcus uh, <laughs> i love him but his iowa city theaters uh, they the, are they are the sound is a little rough it sounds really bad i couldn't hear stuff sometimes and it was just really I, annoying <laughs> i w- i would have liked subtitles for two reasons one the accent's pretty heavy dude <laughs> that was going to be my reason too uh, yeah. <laughs> one is a little rough mix but two Dude, Hercule Poirot is like I can't, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, dude, he's, he's just saying syllables, man. To quote something from my favorite bad movie, which is just go with it with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. It sounds like he's speaking Euro trash and he. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you go just go with it in our podcast? <laughs> Stupid as fuck. Um, Look, yeah, we all no, get we little... all get bad film takes. Okay, <laughs> this is one of mine. It's fine. It's fine. It could be worse. You said that three times this podcast. I know. I just we all have them. Okay. <laughs> um, yours is Bradley Cooper. That's facts. Um, okay. Like it is, gosh, I, I I don't know where to go with this movie. Honestly, it, 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 there's not much to say other than if you want a recommendation, I don't think that this is worth like going to the theater to do it. I know we say wait till streaming a lot, but unironically, when this comes out on streaming, because it's gonna come to streaming, check it out. Check it out. It's, it's yeah. fun. It's no, a good I, time, especially if you watch it with friends or if you have alcohol or something like that. It's probably a good time. It, it's a great thing to watch with friends. It We saw it in, in a big group and it was really fun. It was fun. And then we went we went to a bar after and just like talked about the movie. It's, it, like, it's fun. Yeah. It, it's a fun movie. Um, I will say, I think... Obviously, we're doing a lot of comparison to Ryan Johnson's um, mm-hmm. Glass Onion and uh, Knives Out franchise. And the thing that that franchise excels at, I think, is having throughout, having very strong characters. Yes. Right? Very strong characters in the sense that they are very distinct yeah. and kind of wacky. Right? They're, yeah, no. Like, they're distinct. They're, they're all wacky. You remember all of their quirks. Like, I still remember, oh, I forget the actress, um, Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson? Not Jennifer Hudson. Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson, yeah, yeah. Kate, Hud- like, what the heck? Kate Hudson's character, like, getting... <laughs> <laughs> the sweatshop. <laughs> the sweatshop. Thank you. <laughs> I thought a sweatshop was where they made sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
which that was or like her being at the party during covid <laughs> with yo-yo ma was also hilarious <laughs> yeah. oh my God. like you remember that and you yeah. even remember like Dave Batista wearing his gun in the pool, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a classic moment. Miles Braun just making up random words that don't exist, <laughs> right? You know? These no, are, yeah, yeah. These no, are like, all very like, distinct characters. Rather than in this one, it's just very classical yeah, where they're exactly. not distinct. You have the more traditional view of it being like the lover, the father, the mother, the housekeeper. And, that and unfortunately, like no one stands out Unless they're given that time to stand out, right? Like Tina Fey. Tina Fey does, but she's in a lot of the movie. Yeah, exactly. I think Tina Poirot F- is in a lot of the movie. Tina, Tina Fey, Poirot, um, I think I mean, Mich- f- Michelle Yeoh. Michelle for Yeoh. Time. But like, like she has, with her screen time, like she eats it up. Like the, the direction gives her a lot of focus, you know? And then the characters that fall more to the wayside, like you really notice it. You know, and you just don't, and you don't have that in the Ryan Johnson movies. And I really think that it ended up hampering like the overall experience. Exactly. Um, I think this, I, I think this movie's really strong. I, I really do in a lot of ways. I think if you had a full cast, I would have loved this movie. Yeah. I really, really do. I think two things would have helped this movie a lot. Having a full cast and having a, like just better executed horror elements. Yeah. And then it would have been like, I would have said it was just as good as like the, yeah, the knives out and the glass onions of yeah. the, of the, of the space. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what hankers this movie. And I, I totally agree. Yeah. I just wish that the characters were more distinct, um, mm-hmm. especially when you have, I mean, it's not a huge star power other than Michelle Yeoh and Tina Fey, but also those are the characters that we remember the most. Yeah. No, like the people who are stars are given like starring roles. Like yeah. it is, it and then you know, I, I have no clue who the actors are that played like the assistant and her brother. The like, the I remember the. I actually remember their story. I think their story is actually fairly decent. But I don't remember like what their names are, who played them. Or yeah, like no, exactly. It's, there wasn't like a, oh, I wanted to see who played this person because they did a really good job. It, people are, there's not enough opportunities for people to shine. And it's like even, so like Dave Bautista in the, in Glass, Glass Onion, Onion, he gets killed off, right? Yeah. But he is, but until he's killed off, he's getting plenty of time. He has a lot there. He has a lot of time to shine. And he gets a lot of great moments that you remember. Um, and this movie just doesn't have that. And that's, it, it, it sucks. Yeah, it just sucks. I will say there's also way less humor in this movie. Which, yeah, which, yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing I think thing Ryan Johnson's just a funnier person. Than, He's a funnier person than Kenneth Branagh. Let's Kenneth Branagh is... His comedy was in... Uh, in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but it works so well. <laughs> He's really funny. I think, I think honestly, Kenneth Ronald would be funnier if he was able to combine his kind of very classical approach with more of a modern sensibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what Harry Potter did to an extent. Yeah. Is like, he was over the top classical. He was so over the top. Where like he was they, like the classical. Yeah, yeah. With like, he was the most shape. Like if you watch Chamber of Secrets, 
no one is going to watch that movie and be like, that guy was not in a Shakespeare play at some <laughs> point. No one will think that. Yeah. Right? And and I think that kind of contrast works really, really well for humor. And like someone like that, I think, could work well for this. But he's also doing movies that take place in the 40s and 50s. So, yeah, like, fuck. Exactly. So that's kind of what happens. But overall... This is going to come to streaming for sure. It's going to come to streaming. Yeah, and it's going to come to HBO Max probably. Really? Or is it? Is it? It's probably going to be. It's, no, it's not, distributed Death, by. Death on the Nile is on. It was HBO. on Hulu, I thought. Because it's 20th century. So it's oh, gosh. shit, you're right. So it's probably going to be on Hulu. Uh, check it out check on it Hulu. Out. Honestly, hey, check this one out. I, I think it was fun. Especially check it out with a group. I wouldn't watch it alone. I think that would be kind of boring. Yeah. And uh, hey, with the new WGA um stuff streaming numbers are actually going to matter they will matter a lot more they're going to get big residuals and sag aftra they've had two meetings this week yeah going to continue to next week so they're getting better yeah uh our big question for this one we've kind of already talked about it but i do want to hammer it home which is like what do we think about the murder mystery genre and the the state that it's in right now, because it feels like we have a renaissance almost. Of uh, the murder mystery. This is going to be an easy fucking answer. We love it. We love it. We want to keep seeing it because it, okay, like I think there needs to be more or, like original stories, like uh, Ryan Johnson's trying to do, mm-hmm. and I think you could probably stand to do less franchising. You could yeah. probably do some original storytelling in in this genre. But I think, I, I think it, it can even, it can even branch out from where it is. Cause right now we're very much so in the like one location we are locked in kind of story. Yeah. With, with all of these, right. It's glass, glass onion, but glass not, onion also had the whole Island. That was the thing. Okay. Yeah. But glass onion yeah. knives out, um, we're on the Orient Express, Orient Express, death on the Nile and this all take place in generally one location. One location. Right? Okay, actually, there's that whole second half of Knives Out, which is actually my only criticism. <laughs> um, but generally, they're pretty much in one location. I think, if you think back to, have you ever seen, like, The Fugitive? No. Oh, you should I've watch. I've seen the- 12 Angry Men. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> you should watch The Fugitive. Okay. Because The Fugitive is a movie from the 90s with Harrison Ford. Um, any of our... Any adult who's watching this is going to be like, you are children for not knowing what this is. But The Fugitive is, it's with Harrison Ford and he's like a doctor who's accused of murder. And then he basically has to do a whodunit while like running from the police. Whoa. Yeah. And it's like an action movie slash like, you know, you're trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, and it, it works really well. I can see stuff like that really working too. Like any kind of mystery where you are really engaging the audience and asking them to be an active participant works really well. Most of the horror genre is half a mystery. Yeah. Most of the horror genre, if you look at it. Yeah. You know? Because you're trying to figure out why is this happening and yeah, who, who did this and what? Ha- why, why? what's happening? Again, sort of and thing. again, because it's just easy audience participation. Yeah. You know? And I think that this is also one of those times where these are the types of movies that are going to actually get people to go to the theaters and see the, these movies and that sort of thing because they're going to want to experience it without getting it spoiled and also they're going to want to go with a big group. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. it's a good time. So 
So no, and that's exactly what we did, and it was great. It was really fun. Like it was a fun time. I mean, we you go with a group, and then you go do something after, and it's it feels like a kind of a movie experience because you can all be like, oh, did you catch this at this part? Like, yeah. like who did you think it was gonna? You know, it, it's great. Yeah, it's, and it's a great movie watching experience. And I'm thinking about this and this the time that I saw Glass Onion in theaters. Yeah, and I saw that with my cousin, and it was just so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the exact same reasons of you and can catch things and yeah, and I watched Glass Onion on streaming with like a group of friends. You know, yeah, it was, it was the same experience. It was so fun. Yeah, right. So, so more of this, please, please, more of this. All right, I am adding a segment oh. that you didn't even know I was going to do, no, but we don't have an over under this week. But I do want to bring a segment, new segment. It's called something that we recommend that just came out. I think we're both on the same page on this. Oh, fuck yeah. I know exactly what you're about to say. There's a new show on Amazon Prime. It's a spinoff of The Boys, which we both really like. We haven't like formally talked about The Boys. We need to talk formally talk about The Boys, Better Call Saul, and Succession. You know, one day- And The Bear. (laughs) One day when we're just like tired- Before the Emmys. (laughs) Oh my God. Who because gives a, they're gonna who happen. gives a flying shit about the Emmy? No one gives a fuck about Succession's the Emmys. gonna win a lot, dude. The series, Golden so. Globes do the Oscars and the Emmys in one. Just watch the Globes. <laughs> Just watch the Globes. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to do that though. Oh my god. <laughs> Just, everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. So. But okay, one day we're just gonna be like, okay, here's all the TV we're watching, but. I, I'll, I'll take it off from where you're going. Gen V yes. is a spinoff of The Boys. It's about like college freshmen and college age superheroes who in training who are learning to use their powers for all different things, be it you know crime fighting or performing arts or that's about it. Yeah, and I will say if you haven't seen The Boys... Uh, it's, watch the fucking watch boys. Watch the boys. It's really good. Hey, I'm the boys. Okay, I'm going to assume everyone is watching the boys because it got it, it really got so popular in its last season. Yeah. The boys was the most watched superhero anything like of all last year. And right I think deservedly it has some of the best political commentary. Holy crap. And yes. social commentary I've seen on TV in a while. Yeah. And it's also just like And it's really it's like it's funner. It, it's sorry. It's funny. It's it's entertaining. It's gutsy. It's really gutsy and gory. So yeah, uh, if you're not into that, then it's obviously, very yeah. <laughs> literally gutsy. Um, it's really really funny. There's like the whole idea of the deep is just hilarious. Okay, okay, okay. The deep is the funniest <laughs> character I have seen in anything. Also, wait. If someone's seen I, the no, show, no 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 wait, wait wait I actually I'm having a whole realization right now. I can't think of a character as a con like as a, a concept. concept a concept of a character that is funnier than the deep that I've ever seen in my life. Also, did you like how when they talked about the <laughs> ones that were ranked in the top ten, like to were in the seven, and it was like Queen Maeve number one, A Train number one, and then the deep was number six. <laughs> 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 uh, they have like hero rankings at this call. You've got okay. It's really only, good though. Yeah, no, this is only it just started. It, it started last week. We have, this is one of those if you especially if you've seen the boys, 
run, don't walk to, wa- yeah. to watch the show. Yeah, Go no. watch it. It's No, no, no. It's not like it is actually so good. I told Keisha immediately, this is my, my first thoughts when I watched it. It reminded me of The Boys season one where it's like, fuck, this is fresh. This yeah. is like, it, it somehow manages to be so like fresh and new in an existing franchise that already felt fresh and new. Exactly. It's just crazy. In the most oversaturated genre yeah. right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's like, and, then, and again, it's not necessarily like political commentary in the way that The Boys is. The Boys is very heavy on its political commentary. Mm-hmm. And it's great. We love The Boys for that. Yeah. But like, this is much more about you know, the stuff that college age and exactly. young people are dealing with in like a real way. And it's so unironically, I use, we've used this twice today, unironically timely Yeah, in the way that it's talking about it because it's basically, I'm not going to spoil the boys if you haven't seen it um, because I don't want to, but there's a big, big, big twist in the boys for the universe of how people get superpowers. Yeah. And it's basically about the generation of people who have superpowers that know about that twist. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool yeah. idea. Yeah, no, it, it's it's such a cool idea. The characters um, are so interesting. The characters are great. The characters are really, really good. The acting is really good. These are all like virtually unknown actors. Yep. It's just good. It's just really good. Go watch it. If you like, yeah. especially if you've seen the boys and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. You know, go, go no, do it. I, I tend to never watch spinoff series because I usually think they're all going to be fucking shit. And that has never let me down. This time I actually am like, no, if you like the boys, you will not like, you will love Gen V. You'll, you'll love it. So go watch it. It's yeah. a big, big recommendation. Huge. I can't, there's a new episode coming out, I think tomorrow. Yep. Can't wait to watch it. Can't wait. Um, so yeah, go, go see it. All Lastly, right. Shrek 5 update. The WGA strike is <laughs> over. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah, so the Shrek 5 update is uh, there after much time of contemplation they're still thinking about <laughs> they're still thinking about doing it but they're probably more inclined to release <laughs> things because the strike is over that's true and it's looking hopefully like sag after strike is going to end within the month hopefully yeah and i'm sure they were all like god i really shouldn't work on Shrek 5 with this strike going on, but I want to so bad. And <laughs> yeah. now, you know, now they that, their pain is lifted. Their pain is lifted so they can start writing things. Yeah. They just need the actors. Um, and if you if you don't follow the writer's strike news, just long story short, it was really good for them. It was, They got a lot out of the it. The deal that they got was actually pretty incredible. It was really, really good. So yay for unions. Yay for fucking solidarity, bitch. Yay. Like, like when, like, yeah. Okay, I could go into more of this, but like they would not have gotten that deal if SAG wasn't also, also there, on strike yeah. on the sa- at the same time, like actually. So, yeah. So, shout out to the unionized workers who got better working rights. Yep. And we're happy they can work again. Anyway, we're back to hopefully consistency. We're fucking trying. We're trying our best. All right. Bye. Bye.